Morning Seven Run. Thank you guys so much for joining us today and for being faithful in gathering together. I uh, just want to welcome you on Facebook, on YouTube, on whatever platform you're watching, and just to say that you matter and that we are just thrilled that we get to do this journey together, even if it's virtually. But do take the time and let us know that you're here in the comment section. Just look around and and give us a record of your presence and, and then just engage to the extent that that it's faith to you uh, throughout the message. And um, and we'll we'll continue this journey together, growing and hearing the call of God as we as we move forward. I also want to say for those who, who are called together, and not everybody is, but for those who are called together, uh, please do also remember to pray for our 11 o'clock Sunday morning service here at the building. And there's a certain percentage of our population that's called to, to be there you know, at home and it's not safe for you to be out. There's another percentage of our population that, that spiritually and, and otherwise just needs to be gathering. So let people know that we are meeting also at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Now, these uh, three weeks, last week, this week, and next week, we are just giving a clue, a hint to where we're going in 2021 in our, our journey. And in 2021, uh, I want you to know that we are focusing everything we do on the Great Commission. Now, to some of you, that's code that means a lot. To, to some of the rest of you, you're going, what's that? Well, I'm going to share that and unpack that in just a moment. But what we're going to be talking about is life-changing salvation that results in world-changing service. It's the experience of, of letting yourself be loved, and then you be loved to others. It overflows. It changes you. So this is our focus. I believe God's calling us more specifically to lead 150 people in 2021 to life-changing salvation and world-changing service, to lead them to the starting point of baptism um, as new believers in a way that is not religion, it's life-changing, and that we will baptize 150 people next year. This is the goal that we are setting. It is what we're working to. And for 52 weeks next year, we're going to be working towards this one goal of, of focusing on what you might call the main thing. Now, when you're uncertain, here's a principle about what God would have you to do next, then you need to go back and do what he's told you to do last to make sure that you're actually doing it. If you're like me, a lot of times uh, you say, God, what do you want me to do? And then God tells you, and then you squirrel, and you're off someplace else. And then you're wondering why you're confused because you're being disobedient. You haven't done what God told you to do. And I want to share with you that obedience to the last thing will always lead to success in the next thing. So if you're in a place um, you know, of confusion, then go back to what you know that you know that you know scripturally and soundly that God has told you to do and get busy doing it. Obey that. And as you do the last, God will lead you to the next. Obey Jesus and clarity will come. 
That's just a great principle in everything in life, in your marriage, um, in your politic, in, in everything that you do, obey Jesus. And clarity, and I would say also light and joy and, and everything else good is, is going to come into focus in your life. It's as though the night scattered and the sun rises sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but always inevitably, the light will rise. And this is the kind of clarity that, that I think that we desperately need to live as followers of Jesus and as leaders of others in 2021. We are still in the midst of an increasing pandemic of both COVID and fear in a divided nation. We have the story that changes every other story. We have the love that everybody is longing for. We have the message that everybody wants, whether they know it or not. So I want to go back to what our marching orders are. In the biggest sense, to go back through 2,000 years of history um, to the greatest point of clarity in the launch of Christianity. After the resurrection, Jesus gave the 11 their marching orders, appearing out of thin air to the disciples in Jerusalem in a way that proved not only the truth of his resurrection, but it also proved the, the truthfulness of his whole life and, and mission in that one moment. It was all real. And, and the fact that you came back from the dead shows me that I can trust what you say. Three years of astonishing life in the always, always surprising presence of Jesus led them to this, this point of clarity in the marching orders he was about to give. So Jesus, um, he appears to the disciples. And, you know, they're locked behind closed doors uh, on the day of the resurrection. And, and not only are they locked behind closed doors, they are locked behind closed hearts, hearts that are literally, uh, you know, just frozen in fear. And Jesus appears to them through walls. I mean, he just, he just comes through walls and, and, and there he is. And he lets them feel the scars and he, and he eats with them and he speaks to them. And, and the reality of his resurrection in that moment for them all was absolutely undeniable. And then Jesus tells them to go to leave Jerusalem and meet with them in Galilee. So there's, you know, there is a kind of mini portrait or microcosm of the clarity that comes when you obey Jesus. Obey Jesus and clarity comes. Disobey Jesus, ignore Jesus, minimize Jesus, marginalize Jesus, and an increasing fog and confusion and and, and darkness falls. First, the disciples to get this clarity that defined them as world changers in the book of Acts. First, they had to obey one simple and in some sense, uh, illogical, nonsensical command that Jesus gave them. They were going to have to leave Jerusalem. They couldn't stay where they were and be where God wanted. They had to walk some, some 60 miles on a hard four-day journey um, from Jerusalem to Galilee on the mountain Jesus told them to be. And, and so, so it's kind of illogical in, in, in a sense. They could have asked why. 
And they could have disobeyed. They could have disobeyed or they could have delayed. You and I have done both of those things. Jesus has told us stuff and sometimes we've just flat out disobeyed him and said no. And sometimes we've, we've delayed obeying, which is itself another form of disobedience, and just said, well, when I get around to it, we've lost focus. So here they are in Jerusalem. Jesus has just shown up through, through brick walls to speak to them. And then he says, I'm going to say something really important. You want to speak to you again, but not here. You're going to have to walk 60 miles. You're going to have to, to get up in the morning uh, and, and start out in the hot day and walk on, on a lot of rocky trails. And then you're going to have to eat and then you're going to rest and then you're going to walk some more and then you're going to eat and then you're going to camp and then you're going to get up and you're going to do the same thing day after day after day. They could have said, hey, Jesus can appear anywhere. What sense does it make to walk 60 miles to meet him there when we just met him here? If he wants to talk to us, he can talk to us here. But they went. They obeyed. And again, the clarity they got in receiving the Great Commission has changed literally the the whole of human history, all because they obeyed. They could have lived intending to go later. They didn't. Uh, this wasn't rocket science, you know. Sometimes when God tells us to obey something, it's not like it's this big, huge thing I can't understand. No, I understand walking 60 miles. Just do it. It wasn't particularly theological. Like what's what's complex and theological about, about a, a four-day hike? Well, nothing really. Um, it was just a walk of obedience, But what it was is a mirror for what we must do from this COVID pandemic season, uh, including fear, in 2020 into the clarity of God's next, his greatness, his glory, his vision for 2021. It is a parallel picture of what we must do in the days as we walk ahead from confusion to life-changing clarity and obedience to Jesus Christ. So for four days, they walked. And they wondered, and they went. And in the walk, the confusion of the last gave way to the clarity of the next, and all through their obedience to the call. If you obey Jesus, clarity will come into your life, into your spiritual journey, into your future. In 2021, again, I believe God is calling us to lead 150 new believers into the the symbol of new birth baptism, into life-changing salvation that will overflow in their lives into world-changing service. And I believe with all my heart that we can do this. This is our call. So here's what Jesus said to his disciples. Transform them after a walk of obedience into world changers. Matthew 28, 17 through 20. Here are either the truest words that have ever been spoken by an individual or the most arrogant, egotistical words that any human being could have ever said. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. (laughs) I am the ground of reality. I am the the one who orders rightness in the world. I am the one who knows how life fits together, how to take it from broken to whole. I am the the literal master of, of all that is moving in the universe. 
That's me. So you can trust me. Now, here's what I want you to do. Being convinced of my love that I've shown you for these last three years and of now my authority that I have demonstrated over over the biggest enemy that you have on earth, and that is death itself. I was dead, and now I live, and now you must live to do this. Go and make disciples of all nations, all ethnos, people groups. No barriers or walls of difference that you can hide behind. Uh, Nothing that can allow you to identify anybody else as an untouchable, a different caste, a less than. No, 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 no. We, We go to all of God's creation and we make disciples. Oh, there's so much. We're going to spend a whole year unpacking that, but we make disciples. We live the love of God in such a compelling, uh, incarnate kind of a way that other people, they look around and, and they recognize their emptiness and the fullness of Christ. They see the darkness and they, they want the light. They can see clearly the beauty and truth and attractiveness of Jesus Christ through us so that they follow him too. So, in all of your living, Jesus said, you be going and you make disciples. And you lead them confidently to the beginning place of baptism, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then you don't leave them, you don't walk away, you teach them. In in word and in life and in love, you teach them to obey. There's that word, obey. You see, When we obey Jesus, life comes into focus. When we do what Jesus said, when we we commit to act upon what we know in our heads and and, and, and the the knowing becomes our living, there is this, this amazing empowerment and clarity that comes into our spiritual journey that is not only life changing for us, it is it is world changing. It impacts the lives of people around us. And so we teach others the value, not merely of playing church and adding religious information into their little heads, but of obeying, actually doing what Jesus said, hard things like loving your enemies and and doing good to those who who hate you. These these life-changing things, we teach them to do these things, obey these things. And Jesus said, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We are not alone. We are alive in the presence of holy, of glory, of God the Father through Christ the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our gift for living in this broken world. So that's where we're going in 2021. Um, We're going to focus everything we do every Sunday for 52 weeks on experiencing for ourselves a life-changing salvation. And out of that, you know, personal experience of a salvation that's growing us and making us more and, and redirecting us and healing us and guiding us, out of that overflow of our own salvation, we're going to be sharing the story of Jesus' salvation with others. And out of our own uh, you know, world-changing service, other people are going to see Jesus and they're going to want to serve him too by becoming his disciples. This is our clarity in 2021. We're not going to shrink back and wave the white flag and lay down and die. 
We're not going to say because it's not like it was, it's no good. We're not going to say we don't have enough resources to do what we need to do. No, we're going to say no to everything hell would throw at the church to stop it from its mission. And we are going to focus on what we clearly know what Jesus said to do. In John 20, 21, Jesus said, as the father has sent me, I have sent you. Jesus was sent into the world to bring salvation that changes life, that takes people living in hell and and brings them into the presence of God in heaven even before they get there. That's what this is all about. It's about people opening their hearts up to finally discover the, the purpose of their creation, the nature of their worth. I am loved by God. And then being loved by God, I'm not made judgy and religious. Being loved by God, I am made love. I am created as the love of God. And and now my whole life becomes me loving incarnate as Christ loved incarnate. It's us living Jesus. It's Jesus living through us joyfully and freely. So that's what this is all about. And then we call it the Great Commission. You know, put a hyphen between the co and the mission because it was Jesus' mission, clearly, to make disciples, to lead people into life-changing salvation and then send them out into world-changing service. But, but if you're a real believer, it's not just Jesus' mission alone. And when Jesus becomes your Savior, then his mission becomes your purpose, your passion. And that's why we call it the co-mission, because we share it with him. And, and this is the clarity that will blow away the fog, that will reinvent the church, that will reignite the church in effectiveness and power in 2021. So this is it. In the midst of our cultural confusion, we now have brilliant clarity with which to live. A clear call into a new journey. Well, a new old journey. And so what's the call? You know what it is, life-changing salvation that results in world-changing service. Today, we're going to talk just a little bit about the salvation side, and then next week, we're going to unpack the, the, the serving side, what that overflows, this love that actually is activist agape that does something in the world. So let me just really quickly just answer two quick questions, very basic. So what's salvation, and why is it life-changing? Salvation is being rescued from a world of death and brought into a world of life, the kingdom of heaven. Um, it is, it is three dimensional. It is, it is, you know, it's not flat. It's not plastic. It's not corny and religious. It is the transformation of life. Jesus said this faith experience, um, of salvation is is so profound, it's like being born a second time, starting everything over in life, relearning life, beginning everything new. And so Jesus said in John 3, 3, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. So, that's what salvation is. It is a complete, it is a complete creation experience that never ends. No, why is it life-changing? Well, just ask anyone with a newborn how life-changing an experience that is. You know, on our own staff, we are blessed um, with 
Amaya from Daryl and 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 Amber to to get to experience uh, new birth and and this little girl, this beautiful little creation of God, has totally blessed and changed their life. Nobody needs to tell them that that birth is life changing. And and Bonnie and, and Mark have brought Isaac into the world on our staff and 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 Isaac is this again this amazing you know, one of a kind in all of human history, um, creation of personhood that from the moment of first breath is continual change. And both of these children and every one of God's, God's other children and us spiritually, when we are born, we are born into continual learning, continual change, continual growth. In fact, the only way a child does not grow is if they are unhealthy or or traumatically injured. And spiritually, your, your salvation experience is one of continual, uh, continual learning, becoming, growing, continual change. For a hell-bound religion, the experience of faith is a transaction. It's a one-time low-cost purchase that that is, again, transactional in nature. I make a deal with God, and he doesn't send me to hell. And, uh, and now I sort of endure his, you know, um, his requests in life uh, resentfully from a distance. That's, that's a church-attending kind of religion that, that will send you to hell and, and actually not even answer the hell that you, you live in until you die. It's sad stuff. But for Jesus, salvation is really personal. It is a whole life, high cost experience of, of living in, in a faith that never ends. For Jesus, it's love, an active agape love. So this message was just designed to bring some clarity as a church, this most difficult season that I've ever faced as a pastor. I mean, to, to be a part of, of the church that you know, cannot meet for, for a number of weeks. And then when we tried to meet, most of you weren't ready. And, and then even as we are beginning, you know, to meet in person, uh, fully emphasizing the validity of uh, and the rightness of meeting virtually. But even as we try to meet in person, the pandemic is still rising. All of that is so confusing to me and so crazy. And, and I'm not qualified and I have no clue where to lead the church except I do. I know exactly where to lead this church. To Jesus. And to hear what he said with clarity and obedience and commitment and passion and for us to get busy doing what we should have been doing all along, going and making disciples. But I have to ask you one question before I I wrap up this morning. Are you born again? Have you experienced life-changing salvation? And I want to ask this question in two senses. Some of you, you have never, you've never been born again. At least God wouldn't say that you have. And you might have religion, but you don't have relationship. And, and, and for those of you who are in that category, I want to talk to you in, in just a moment. But for those of you who who would say, yes, I, I really know that I've been born again. I, I know 
that at the feet of Jesus, I've begun the journey of relearning life. But I've been stuck for a long time. I've been static. I, I have not been growing. I, I don't like where I am. To you, I would say this. Obey Jesus and clarity will come. And, and you can get back to the place where your salvation is, is life-changing and you can rediscover how loved you are. And then you can rediscover your purpose, not in accomplishing your purposes, but in being the love of God in a broken world. You can experience the fresh new beginning if you'll obey and believe. I want to share with you really what the nature of, of this need for salvation is, is all about and, and how you can become born again this morning. Remember, we are all broken, sinful and separated from God in this kind of living death. Yes, I'm alive, but even as I am alive, I am also inevitably hurtling towards my own death. And it's true not only physically, it is true spiritually. I will die, and if I do not experience the, the, the love of God, I will not be with him forever. Ephesians 2.1 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. There is a deadness inside all of us. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us can claim that we do not, um, that, that, that we can meet the, the standards of God, that, that we're okay as we are. We're not good enough and we never can be. Romans 3.10 says, No one is righteous, not even one. I am deeply flawed, deeply broken, and, and I cannot pretend that, that I am not. I, I, well, I can, but if I live in denial of my brokenness and sin, then I am rejecting Jesus and his offer of salvation. The story doesn't end just with the reality that we are broken. The glory of the story is in the truth that we are loved. And and that's the arc of the story is that we are broken and that we are loved, but we all stay lost until we let love win. I need you to hear this morning in, in both of those categories, for those of you who are not born again and for those of you who are born again and, and are not a thriving child, I need you to hear again that you are loved. You are wanted. And there's this this gracious, generous invitation of God that, that is inviting you to a life-changing salvation, the power and the life of God's love to flow in and through your, your life and your pain, your circumstances, you know, to, to literally come inside of you and energize your life. And all this is, is through real faith in Christ, not churchy, knowledge, but real heartfelt acknowledgement of brokenness and turning away from it in repentance and, and, and with clarity obeying Jesus for the rest of my life and then experiencing the success of that, of that path. The proof that you are loved is in the life of Christ. 
Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us. In this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It, this has happened. It is proof that you are loved. You don't need to look around to the circumstances of your life and say, does God love me? With all of the value of heaven, God has shouted across the galaxies that he has loved you and he, and he, and he focused like a laser beam on the depth of that love in the nails of Christ on a cross of wood. You are loved and God's love is unstoppable. That's what the resurrection is about. Well, it's unstoppable if we let it be. 1 John 4, 9 says, This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That's this life-changing salvation. We're not living in our old and our broken and our down and our dying and our, and our, our, our stupid, ugly stuff. We are now living in the energizing spirit of, of glory, of, of holy, of, of the Father's heart himself. Verse 10 says, this is love, not that we love God. This is not something that we have to do. This is something that we have to respond to. The initiative of God is, is the offer in front of us. But that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's not our work. It's the work of Christ on the cross that makes salvation possible. Ephesians 2, 4 says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that we have been saved. God, thank you for love. Thank you for grace. Thank you for this amazing kind offer to forgive my sin, heal my broken, to raise me from my own dead and bring me into a, a whole new reborn life of relearning life that is glory and I, and I want it and there have been so many times in my own life that I have lost focus and and gotten discouraged and wandered into to, to confusion and, and and sin and and it all just goes back to obeying Jesus and clarity comes we are broken we are loved but we all stay lost until we let love win. Knowing that you're loved and knowing that you're broken isn't enough. You have to make a choice. You have to commit. You have to decide, just as God decided to send his one and only son, you have to decide what you're going to do with him. We have to choose to let our salvation begin by putting our faith in Christ alone and giving him complete control of our lives. And in the end, really, all that we're dying to is all that's already killing us. And all we're giving up is a bunch of stuff that isn't going to deliver what we think it will and, and, and a bunch of stuff that, that we can't keep in the end with our cold, dead fingers. Romans 6.32 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift, uh, free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have to accept the gift consciously and intentionally. Romans 10.13 says, says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The offer is unlimited and infallible. If we call in real faith, then then death to life salvation is going to begin. New birth is going to begin. And then you get to live the rest of your, child, your life like a well-loved child, learning 
the wonder and awe of what it's like to be with Papa, to be with our, our, our God. John 1.12 says, But to as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. New life, it's just an honest prayer away. And if you want to be, begin your life-changing salvation, you can do that right now. And on the screen, there is a prayer. And I want to just leave it there for a second. And I, I want you, if this is real, I want you to pray that prayer. It's, these aren't magic words. But, but if this prayer expresses the desire of your heart, with this simple decision to let love win, you can be born again. And you can start to live in the overflow of God's agape love. If you pray this prayer today, then I want you to let us know. You can let us know in the comment section. You can also let us know um, on the screen in the comment section. There is a, a place to, uh, to, to, to go to, to click on, that will take you to a decision card that you can fill out and, and let us know. I'm going to pray now, and I'm going to ask you, whether you've never been born again or whether you're born again and stuck, to pray with real faith, to obey what Jesus has revealed to you, and to let new clarity come into your life. Let's pray. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would help those who are listening who've never been born again to simply say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross for, my, for me, for, for me personally. I open the door of my life and I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving me and for giving me the free gift of eternal life. I give you full control of my life. Please change me to change the world however you want. And if you prayed that prayer, you've got to act on it and let us know. And Father, for those who are simply stuck in their journey and they're not thriving, they're not the thriving child, they know that they are supposed to be, I pray again, they may hear the call of your, your whispered love, your love shouted across the ages on the cross of Christ. And I pray that, that Father, that you would take them back to the point of clarity and obedience to do what they know to do, to trust your love and to walk in faith in your grace. And God, that you would make a new beginning in their lives as well. Thank you for the gift of life-changing salvation. In Jesus, all through Jesus, amen. Amen.